For better or worse, the Nintendo GameCube has become one of the most popular consoles to collect games for. A couple of years ago, you could buy a game like Star Fox Adventures, which I did for $10. Now, if you go on eBay and you try to do that now, that's that's cute, but that's not going to happen, which begs the question of how good, how popular is that GameCube library? Well, on this uh, podcast episode, we are going to be traveling back to 2002 and checking out some of the most highest rated GameCube games in 2002. And then afterwards, checking out that awesome Game Boy Advance library on a cast of the past with a brand new podcast episode available every single Sunday and clips and videos across the week at youtube.com slash a cast of the past with yours truly Juan Velas from Puerto Rico. Now joining me, I feel like this is your comfort zone, especially when we travel back to 2002. We have from Boston, Massachusetts, Ryan McNulty. Now Ryan, you told me just we hit the record button that this is like this is when you actually owned a GameCube. So it wasn't just like nostalgia talking or collecting later. You were a GameCube owner in 2002, right? Yes. Yeah. So I remember having a GameCube. I might have got it the year it came out, but a little bit later. But I remember having it before games like Mario Sunshine came out, before games like Wind Waker came out. So I definitely at least had it sometime in 2002. Yeah, see, in my case, I think I, I got it after Wind Waker came out because I do think that was available. That was uh, 2003, right? Yes. Yeah, in North America, Europe, it came out in 2003. So okay, that's okay. why so, it's not on this list for anyone wondering. <laughs> yeah, just in case, because even we were like, wait a minute, was that 2002? Was that 2003? Yeah. I'm not, Only not too Japan sure about that. Only in Japan was it out in 2002. Exactly. Now, giving just like a really quick reaction, because this is one of the most forgettable wrestling games out there. We did it for PS2. We did it for Xbox. Tradition continues at 91 on this list with a score of 64, which doesn't say great for the 100 games released in that year, is WrestleMania 18, which I don't know if you've played it, Ryan, but this is like... um, if a game does not have its own identity, it's like, hey, can I borrow SmackDown's animations, except it's not SmackDown? Like, this game borrows so many things from multiple different games, and it ends up being like a wrestling game with no soul, from the animation to the graphics. It, it just felt lifeless. Yeah, so I, I got this game as a birthday gift, and I remember being so disappointed because I had played the SmackDown games at my cousin's house on PS2. We, we would... Like, I'd go over there, we'd pl- play those games all night. <laughs> Excuse the large, I mean, the car going and, and by. And then they yeah. just drove away. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's me if someone has a copy of WrestleMania 18. I'm out of there. <laughs> right? So, but, uh, so I had the game and then I, I played it and I just couldn't believe the story mode was literally, here's a match, here's another match. Here's another match. It's the no- lowest effort wrestling yeah. game ever in the three, yeah. 3D so generation. So I will say, though, the bones were there. The bones for the gameplay that would become WrestleMania 19, that would become Day of Reckoning. It did start with WrestleMania 18 because I think WrestleMania 18 actually was the first game to have like a proper Hell in a Cell match and the mechanics for a lot of what would become like a good simulation wrestling game really did start but so it had the gameplay decent and they definitely improved it much more year after year 
That's the only thing you could say was good about this game because everything else was just like the most bare bones, like we need to put out a wrestling game. It was also a very awkward time because I think the cover of it had like the WWE logo, but I think there were still traces of the WWF logo like within the game itself. So it was kind of weird. Uh, It was like right when they were getting rid of, um, right when they were like turning into WWE. Anyway, yeah, that's, we've already spent too much time on this game because it's not worth playing. <laughs> so moving on to the the fourth game in a, in a very popular series that it seems like people think of these games way, way more highly now than they did back then. At number 70, we have Mario Party 4, which look, I don't know like why these games are so freaking expensive, but if you want to buy like a Mario Party game now on the GameCube, it's like 70 to a hundred dollars is like what the hell i did play this game I, I honestly like get the mario parties mixed up i think two and three are the most memorable ones in my head yeah like what did you think about four because i really don't recall too much so four i have only played a little bit and uh our our buddy friend of the show chris collects things uh, many years ago we we played at his house and i will say mario mario party four the mini games were they were a little more like skill based and less kind of like easy random games at least i felt so he would just absolutely obliterate us because like none of us had grew up with the game like he did so he just destroyed us at Mario Party 4 like it wasn't even close where it's like we'd go back and we'd play Mario Party 2 and it would feel like very balanced same with like Mario Party 3 like yes you could still be good at some mini games but you weren't like guaranteed to win every time but he just absolutely annihilated us in Mario Party 4 so I felt like they tried to make it a little bit more skill based in Mario Party 4 but I know people really adore this game that's just my experience is just getting my butt whooped every single time <laughs> and dude it's uh 85 dollars complete in box that cib 85 yep. bucks no man yeah I'm uh good. let's just say i won't be into collecting mario party games anytime soon yeah that that's not gonna happen for a good while now there are a lot more games like uh just uh, uh i don't want to just immediately skip to the you know last uh 10 or 15 but there's a lot of games in this generation that are just kind of like thrown out there pretty fun games like spy hunter you know this is a multi-platform game it's super super fun i actually own this game on the gamecube i got it just before the prices started going up but it's not a racing game you know it's based on the ip spy hunter this is before the rock became part of the movie and it's kind of like take james bond but take him out of it right and you have like the more vehicle based stuff i don't know if you ever played any of these games if not you you really should check i do remember the old old school spy hunter oh yeah like the it's like uh that was nes right that was NES. i think so i'm pretty sure it was but i i don't remember anything about this one Another game that I remember renting, but I hated it playing with a uh, GameCube because I don't think GameCube was great for, you know, with the exception of Smash and maybe Soul Calibur for fighting games. So, ugh, it, it just wouldn't blend. Uh, we have uh, Capcom versus SNK2 EO. This got a 68. And I think a lot of the reviews, even back in the day, it's like, it's a it's a good fighting game, but why would you play a fighting game on, on the GameCube? To the point that actually got like a PS2 to GameCube uh, controller converter just so I could play like Soul wow. Calibur 2 with a PS2 controller. Which, <laughs> like, imagine back in the day playing Soul Calibur 2 as Link with a PS2 controller. That should have been that, illegal, that's, man. I'm that just saying. is strange. I never even knew you could do that back then. Like, I, I, I figured today with all the modding and everything that people do, but 
that's crazy. Even back then, you could do that. Yep. But uh, one I definitely want to jump to, uh, number 59 on the list, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Now, Dreamcast I do own now, but definitely didn't own at the time. But remember, uh, a friend who did and him playing Sonic Adventure. And then I know they came out with the GameCube version, and that's when I had a chance to rent it and actually play through the whole game myself. And this is the only 3D Sonic game I've ever beaten and all I got to say is those damn levels where you have to find the jewels could get uh, so annoying, like with Knuckles or Rouge. I would spend hours at that like Pumpkin Hill level, just listening to that music over and over again, trying to find that last emerald or whatever you have to find. Uh, yeah, this was but it was one of the more fun 3D Sonic games. You know, what's crazy for me is I love playing the first one. I played it on Dreamcast. A lot of people say this is the better one, yet I never played it. Yeah. And, and I don't know why. I don't have a reason as to. I, I just didn't. So yeah, kind of I remember now, right? thinking like the, sh- like the shadow and Sonic levels were the most fun because you got to go fast, right? Uh, but I, I think... Sometimes. If they played... If you had too many of those levels, it would kind of like expose the business, I guess, of 3D Sonic levels, where at the end of the day, a lot of times you're not really doing anything. <laughs> you're just, sometimes you're occasionally like hitting the A button. Uh, Sonic's transition to 3D just wasn't maybe as great as Mario's, and that's maybe an understatement. But th- then you would play as like Tails, and I remember the Tails levels were really just lock on like you would hold b to like lock on or something and then you would let go to shoot and it was just like that's all you did walk forward lock on shoot walk forward lock on shoot and they felt almost like pointless uh but for some reason because they kept mixing it up you'd be like oh here's a sonic level here's a tails level here's a um knuckles level and then you could play the evil side where you play as shadow eggman and rouge and then again they were always mixing it up so it kind of kept you interested even though sometimes the gameplay if you really broke it down was not very remarkable you know talking about sonic uh, one that's on this list is uh sonic mega collection now this one sticks out to me because like i i really do think when you got to ps2 gamecube xbox you started to see a lot more compilations of like older games. Yep. You know, you, you also got that on PS1, but I think that obviously you're talking about DVDs, so you can hold a lot more storage and sometimes you would have like bonus stuff. But even though I never played this, it's like Sonic's always had a compilation. Like I think as, as long as I've been a gamer, you look at any console, there's always been a freaking Sonic compilation. Like I would love to see somebody. Somebody's had to make this on YouTube, Brian. Like a top ten Sonic compilation, <laughs> not not a list of top ten Sonic yeah. games. It's like no, within the Sonic compilations, which are the best ones? Did you ever buy any of them, or maybe even check out this one? Yeah, uh, uh, my girlfriend she actually found a copy of this at her house in New York. So I have the oh, PS, nice. I have the PS2 version of this. But I, years ago, bought the Sonic's Ultimate Genesis collection for PS3, and I actually really love that collection because it has tons of other games besides just Sonic, but I did play through all of Sonic 1 and 2. Uh, I believe I used some save states because some of those underwater levels in the first Sonic game are just brutal. Screw that. Yeah, Screw yeah. that. Uh, but I did play through the first two games, and yeah, I mean... They're, they are great to go through, and we discovered, like, some awesome games on it. Like, Game Ground is one of my favorite, like, Genesis games ever, and I discovered it through that collection. 
Uh, this one, I think, is based, it's just Sonic games. It's mainly Sonic games, um, yeah. But obviously, once you got to another generation, you could jam way more features and stuff onto one disc. So uh, made sense to, you know, for this one to be a little bit more limited. Now, this is one game that I would actually really like to cover on the channel because it, it's been so split. I mean, most people, it's interesting. Okay, so for context, it got a meta score of 82, which is Star Fox Adventures. Anybody that that has heard about this game now, and you correct me, it tends to be in a negative light, right? It's like, yeah. oh, this is not great. But then you look at the score and then you look at the actual game. And at least as an outsider's perspective, like I actually got a copy for 10 bucks. I am very happy I got that like uh, three years ago, I think it was or something. But I've yet to play it because when I think about Star Fox, I think about the traditional, you know, Star Fox 64, Super Nintendo. This is more in relation to like a platformer slash Zelda game than it is like a traditional Star Fox, right? Yeah, and I remember actually being interested in wanting to play this because the Star Fox kind of space shooter didn't really appeal to me. But then playing Smash Brothers, it's like I liked I liked Fox. And I think there was kind of demand people, I think, from Smash really grew to like the character that they kind of wanted to see like actually be able to play as him more because like when you're controlling a spaceship it doesn't really feel like you're playing as fox as much as like being able to control the character itself so i actually was like oh i want to play this and then i just never got around to it and then i feel like people told me not to like people said ah don't bother with it so i eventually just kind of thought like you said that it had a bad reception and it wasn't worth playing yeah, same thing. So I'm really looking forward to it at some point, uh, even if it's not like completing the game or beating it. You know, it's like I at least want to play a couple of hours just to be yeah. how it is, you know, just to see how it is. Now, one game that I actually have a copy of this, uh, and it's because my wife uh, owned it, is a Resident Evil Zero. I think that one of the things that a lot of people love about the GameCube is you can play a lot of Resident Evil, right? Because you have... Resident Evil 2 and 3, the ones on PS1, they are actually available on GameCube, which is really weird. They are horrendously expensive at this point. But then there's the remake of the first one. There's this one. There's Co-Veronica. And then there's a 4. So there's a whole lot of Resident Evil. And from the little that I played of this one, it's like even checking out the crappy trailer that I'm looking at Metacritic. It's like, this game looked freaking unbelievable right i mean this is 2002 and it looks ridiculous well yeah i I believe they made it in the same style and also the original uh i'm sorry the resident evil remake also came out this year but i think the style in which they made those two games is really incredible and why the graphics hold up to today but i believe they essentially took like photorealistic images and placed them over the you know the 3d models and they were able to make it look super realistic because of the the fixed camera angles now i know a lot of people these days don't want to deal with fixed camera angles but there is an element to it that of survival horror that you will never get again if you get if you don't have the fixed camera angles but of course you can do a lot more with the the, the free camera or whatever third person camera but because of the fixed camera at the time, you were able to make basically the best looking GameCube games out there. And it's crazy, as you said, you can look at them today and sure it's in standard def or whatever, but it's probably some of the best looking GameCube games you'll ever see or any games of that generation, really. And 
going from Resident Evil to number 16 on this list, I can see a lot of things, or I can just say Animal Crossing. I mean, Animal oh, Crossing is yeah. just as relevant now as it was back then. I mean, I'd argue it's even more relevant. I remember renting this game, and I really did not understand yeah, it. Yeah, it's not it's like, the game it's you like, should what rent. Is this? <laughs> yeah, like, I got so pissed, because, you know, you got Mr. Rossetti at that point. Oh, yeah. And like, what the hell, man? I don't know how to save it. You're punishing <laughs> me, and what? Oh, because, yeah, you need, your whole, you need a whole memory card for it, too. Not to mention, yeah, Animal Crossing. This this was probably one of my biggest things, and and I don't know. Remember when I got this game? But I might have got it for Christmas that year. But Animal Crossing was like my cousin and I. We were obsessed with this game. Like we got everybody into it. Like back uh, when it my first came aunt, out, my aunt was playing this game. Like that's okay, wow. you know. So yeah, we I you know bought the copy so it came with its own memory card and everything. But we played the hell out of this game. We'd visit each other's towns, me and my cousin, and I played this game like the whole year through to get every fossil, to catch every fish. I paid off all my debts old school way. It's not like you can do now where you can play the turnip stock market with everybody else across the world and get the best prices. You had to play the turnip game old school. So you'd take those losses. Back in my day. You know, yeah, back in my day, you'd take losses on turnips because you couldn't ask someone on Reddit for the best price. So it was, it was a, a lot harder back then, but there was way less things to do. So it also was easier to stay involved with it year round because you could oh, pop it in, you know, catch catch a couple fish, you know, see who visited the town that day. And then uh, you could go and play another game. You It wouldn't be like how involved it is today. And there's so many more fish to catch, uh, which I think is a great thing. But just the upkeep is, is a little bit too much that I kind of fell out of it. But um yeah, this this game I, I love it so much, and it still like holds a special place in my heart. This was like the probably what I was playing the most through two thousand two, two thousand three. I think a lot of people were, and I mean, got an uh, eighty seven Metascore, which is kind of insane, just because it's not something that you would visualize on a on a console, right? It is like the anti game, especially around this point where we're getting a lot of action stuff and all that. So that's pretty good. Something that I got to mention quickly because. 2002, 2003 is when I was pretty big into basketball games and the game that really pulled me in. I mean, NBA Street. Oh, yeah. I freak just, oh, my goodness. I spent so many hours playing that game because it took all the annoyances of uh, things that I don't like about basketball and said, you know what? Let's just make it fun. But it wasn't NBA Showtime. It wasn't super ridiculous because it did look it did look real, right? I mean, it was cartoony, but it's like it gives you a little bit of the realism. It, it did have weight into the characters. NBA yeah. Street Volume Two was also That's awesome. That's the but one this I one, played. Man, yeah, it was so good. Yeah, right? I played a little bit of NBA Street at a friend's house, but NBA Street Two was the one that I owned. But basically, because NFL Blitz was a fun game, and I think they were trying to kind of take that concept to other genres. So NBA Street felt like this is the NFL Blitz, but basketball version. And I know one of the early titles, too, for GameCube was like NHL Hits, which was, again, right. like trying to do that for hockey. And that I found I had a lot of fun with, too. Um, and yeah, NBA Street, this was the start of a, a really fun series, for sure. It really was. And like uh, I went back and played NBA Street Volume 2 a couple of years ago. It was still worth playing. So that that's good there. Uh, that got an 88. 
Now, we talked about this on our previous episode with PS2 and all that, so just Time Splitters 2 at 88 as well. Awesome game. That's actually the first version that I played. I believe I did play... I played both versions. I played the one on PS2, and I played the GameCube one, but I think GameCube is the one that I actually played and beat uh, for the first time. Now, you had mentioned this, which is on the same year that we got Resident Evil Zero, we did get Resident Evil the remake. And I do think getting both of those on the same year, you know, this one came out in April, got a Metacritic of 91. I mean, how awesome is that? But also weird because it's a remake of a game just from the previous generation, which nowadays, I mean, people will be grabbing their pitchforks, right? But the the level of quality, I mean, there's remakes and then there's stuff like this that keeps the gameplay, I'm not going to say intact, but it, it feels like the original, but I mean, you put a screenshot back to back of the first Resident Evil in this, and you're like, what in the hell? Just one generation apart? It was amazing. Yeah, I, I really do want to play this version, uh, and I, I plan to eventually. Yeah, I, I think after Resident Evil 2, I'm sure a lot of people looked back at Resident Evil 1 and realized how rough around the edges it was, even at that time. So I don't think too many people were sore about a remake. It's <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, they found their stride with RE2, and I think, yeah, looking back, it, it seemed like it was time that quickly to remake it. <laughs> I think it was worth it. It's not something that anybody's going to complete, especially the voiceover. I mean, you talk about visual stuff, but there's a lot of yeah. quality of life stuff. Now, now this is, it's like, ain't going to lie, I look at this list, and up until this point, it's like, it was, a, it was an all right year. It's like, Resident Evil. But then after that, there's not a lot. But then you reach the top 10, and I do think that starts to change a little bit. You know, we've already talked about the uh, next game on the previous video, which is uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4, got a 91. I remember renting this version and thinking it was pretty good. I forgot to ask you, like, when you played uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, that you played that on PS2, I assume, right? I actually played the PS1 version and I first played played, that version. Yeah, I first played the PS1 version. Then I saw the PS2 version. I was like, whoa, this is way better. It's the Uh, same game? What? Yeah. Uh, But I did play through when I got my GameCube. I'm sorry. I I did play Tony. I rented Tony Hawk 3 for GameCube and eventually played like the true version of it, which was a lot better. Now, I do want to share the top five because... It accentuates like 2002 and GameCube so much and just like how much gaming has changed. So number five is Super Mario Sunshine came out August 2002 with a score of 92. Number four, Madden NFL 03, score of 92. Number three, Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem with a score of 92. I'm just going to say I am the idiot that owned a copy of this game and traded it in. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I remember just passing on this a million times to rent Everybody or buy. Did. It became popular it, afterwards. Th- this is a game I know you talked about recently in one of your videos about bad box art. I, not that the box art's terrible, but I just didn't know it, enough about it. Like, it didn't it interest didn't me catch enough. You. It didn't yeah, catch you. It did not right? catch me. So, number two, I mean, we got one NFL game. Now we got two. This is before, like, EA bought the NFL license and all that stuff. Uh, NFL 2K3. So just think about that. In the year that Super Mario Sunshine came out, I know you know we'll, we'll, we'll react to that shortly, but it's like still, this beat it out. And then number one, this game is more relevant now than I think it was back then. 
at a score of 97. Metroid Prime. These games, I mean, if you wanted to buy a Metroid Prime game, this is not the time to do so. Those prices, yep. they've, they've, gone up, they've gone up a bit. Yes, they have. So, Ryan, uh, briefly give me your reactions to uh, Sunshine. So, Mario Sunshine, this was a game that I think a lot of people were similar to me. When they first played it, they weren't. They didn't really like it that much. It. I think people just wanted Mario 64 on the GameCube with bigger levels and more stars to collect. And Mario Sunshine definitely was a little bit different. I mean, yes, you collect stars somewhat similarly, but... The people didn't necessarily like flood the the water mechanic or spraying it and using it to to jump and everything. I wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, so I, I got to like the hotel level and then just got stuck somewhere and never finished it. Years later, I went back and I did finally finish the game and I appreciated a lot more. And I definitely, with the Mario 3D All Stars, plan to again give it another playthrough at some point. I still, I still need to beat Mario Galaxy because I've never beaten that game. But I, I do plan to once again revisit Mario Sunshine because I do think it is a good game. I think it's underrated in the Mario series, and I just didn't give it enough appreciation. I'm in a, I'm in a similar boat. Like when I bought it, I actually bought it with like the strategy guide. I'm like, man, I got the GameCube now. And I fell off hard. And it's one of those games where this is Mario. You know, I played Mario since like the NES. Like, why am I just not enjoying this? And I legit stopped playing it out of boredom. So when they announced that All-Stars collection for Switch, um, the, the game that I was looking forward to playing the most was that. Same thing with Galaxy. But Galaxy is like, it's universally loved. I love going back to a game that I'm like, I did not like this as a kid. I want to yeah, see like here. why or did I just not get it? Like was I not in the mood? Because like, I mean, we could talk about that in a future video. Where, like, so you you have to be in a mood to play certain games, at least Definitely. in my opinion. So then, uh, getting to Eternal Darkness, I'll just share my brief reason as to why I traded it in more than actually talk about the game. So when I bought it, this was years after. Like this is when the whole concept of like. I don't think even YouTube was a thing. What, whatever, yeah, maybe maybe it was. It's like, oh, here's games you overlooked on GameCube. That's when I started seeing this. And like you, I had always seen the cover, and I think I saw it for like ten bucks at some point. And I think I bought it even new. I think it was like actually like on a clearance rack or something at a Toys R Us. Buy it, take it home. Keep in mind, I'm not the biggest horror fan, so I'm not the person this is aimed for. I just remember thinking it was clunky. I didn't like it. I put it down. A couple of months later, I'm like, but people say it's awesome. Pick it up again. I'm like, I, I just don't think it's for me. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I, I just really don't think it was for me. I don't know if you have any more opinions about it. No, I, I just remember again when I got into the Silent Hill series, um, my friend that got me into it was saying, oh, this is another game you uh, you need to play. And I never ended up you know, finding it or picking it up. But I was like, oh, that game, that game that I remember seeing the box in every Blockbuster and every KB Toys and just passing on it, every GameStop. So, yeah, regrets, regrets were, were, regrets happened, I guess I should say. <laughs> and I think that that you just said regrets happened applies to me for sure with Metroid Prime because I hate that I'm even saying this. I played Metroid Prime Hunters. I've never played a Metroid Prime game. So I played the DS game, 
Yeah. I haven't played any of the GameCube I, I tried ones. Metroid Prime 1. Again, uh, friend of the show, Chris Collects Things. I remember just being at his house and we started a playthrough and I was like, ah, I'm just, I'm not really feeling it, but I don't think I gave it enough of a chance. Uh, so again, cause people I think it was so really it, like, talk about this game again, like first person feels a little weird on the GameCube to me. Um, but I, it's, I it's do the little C stick, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I do. But what is, does the, we have the Metroid prime like collection? Is that going to yeah, be way too man, expensive? Is it expensive? I mean, Hey, uh, you can get it digitally on Wii U for like 20 bucks. Though. Oh, okay. But I guess That's maybe the I should get that before about. the, the Wii U store closes eventually. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of people do say it's, it's one of those rare occurrences where kind of like resident evil four, a lot of people love the Wii version. It's because like the the way the game was designed actually blends itself pretty well to like motion mechanics. But like I I really do think even if once again I don't necessarily beat the game, I would like to eventually play uh, Metroid Prime. So for everybody watching and listening, like these have been most of the top 100 highest rated games on the GameCube. We really really would love to get your feedback. Like what do you think about? And when you think about this list of the GameCube, to me, it's like, I can understand why I did not buy a GameCube in 2002. I understand why I bought it in 2003. I think there was a little bit more meat on that bone. You know, we can talk about 2003, maybe next year. We can sit down and have the same conversation with that year. But now, my friends, it's time to talk about one of my favorite handhelds of all time, because in 2002... The Game Boy Advance was definitely hot. A lot of people loved it. Like I, I bought the Game Boy Advance when it first came out with like one of the Tony Hawk's for Skater games. I got the wide uh, blue Game Boy Advance. And comparing the releases for Game Boy Advance in contrast to the GameCube, which I know is a weird example, but I was a big Game Boy gamer around this point, not so much on the Nintendo GameCube. In your case, Ryan, when you think about the GBA around this time, was that something you were uh, inv- invested in? Only only a little bit. So the, the funny story with Game Boy Advance for me is my sister got a Game Boy Advance. She got the white model, which I believe was the only other available model at the time besides the like purplish blue one. Was that like Indigo? I don't remember. Uh, it was kind of like the GameCube color yeah, yeah. a little bit. And the game that was actually that she got with it was Crash Bandicoot, which did come out in this year. And that was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Like the, the Game Boy Advance had a really, uh, how do they say it? Like down, uh, d- downscale version of games, yeah. like downgraded yeah, versions so of games, but that legit worked. On this list here was number 32. It's called Crash Bandicoot, the huge adventure. So it was more much, it was like a side scrolling Crash Bandicoot. I remember thinking, I was like, whoa, it's kind of weird to be playing Crash, uh, Crash Bandicoot on a Nintendo console because I so associated it with Sony and PlayStation. But yep. it was a fun game. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever beaten a Crash Bandicoot game. This game got really difficult towards the end. So I don't remember. I remember getting I decently mean, that was, far. That was but, the thing with Crash. I mean, yeah. when people compare Spyro to Crash, Spyro was a lot more like the streamlined way. Crash was like pull your hair difficult sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and for context, like we are using, once again, Metacritic, their top 100 highest rated games. So this is not us ranking this. This is us reacting to some of the games on this list. And not going to bring up the WWE game for this, uh, but there was one. <laughs> But one of my favorite Game Boy Advance games came out this year, and I remember in 2002, not now, 
Um, and I remember I got it for like 15 bucks because nobody was buying it. And it's Fire Pro Wrestling 2. I I think I legit played over 100 hours of this game. It is ridiculous. I mean, if, if you don't like Fire Pro, then you're not going to like it. It's one of those things that you like it or you hate it. But if you love those games, the one on the Game Boy Advance is pretty, pretty damn awesome. I don't know if you have any experiences uh, with those. I played a little bit of some of the Fire Pro Wrestling games, not specifically this GBA one, but it's it's one of those ones where it's harder for me to, to get uh, to get into. I feel like for me, wrestling games, it's similar to Grand Theft Auto, where 3D versus 2D is just two different worlds. I know it's like a kind of an isometric view or whatever, but to me, it's like uh, 3D is it's where it's at. If it's not, it's harder for me to be like immersed in it. Now, one of these games that I got to bring up and. I have been dying for some kind of like a remake or remaster of this Mega Man Battle Network. In this case, we got Mega Man Battle Network 2 came out July 2002, got a meta score of 81. These games like blew my mind because Mega Man, it's like you get the traditional side scrolling ones, but then you have Mega Man Legends. Like they have done a lot. Like I think after Mario, people think of Sonic as like this character that's done a lot. But man, like Mega Man's pretty badass. And there's a lot of games to this day that have actually borrowed the combat elements. It's like a grid-based combat. Mm -hmm. It's got the top-down, like slightly angled view. These games were awesome. And they made a lot of these. But they kind of ended on the DS, I think they did. Okay, yeah. I I do remember... Uh, you talking about that previously, and it, I've I've not quite ever really gotten into those grid battle type games, and it's something I really should dive more into. I know even like I think you'd be a big fan of it now. Yeah, yeah, and I I think even like the the South Park game started doing that in the second one, right? Yep, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, something I really should should try more. So there's that. Now something that I'm bringing up here just out of curiosity i've always had this problem with them porting fighting games like i remember uh playing street fighter 2 on the game boy and it's like it's it, it kind of looks like street <laughs> fighter but d- don't like yeah who who wanted whoever wanted like the game boy version of like mortal Kombat, street fighters like seriously who wanted that did you want that right no no, he, you always knew you were going to get like the lesser version, right? But sometimes you had to settle, right? Exactly. But, but this is the most ridiculous thing. So you would think it's like, oh, Street Fighter is like a 2D game. I mean, like, what are they going to do? They did a really good version of Tekken on the Game Boy Advance. It was one of those rentals, like, because I don't know about you, but I could rent Game Boy Advance yeah, games I do here. remember that. I rented it. I rented it as like, a, oh, this is going to be so bad, but I got to experience it. And then I started playing it. I'm like, how, how is this so accurate? Like, is it amazing? No. But it looks like Tekken. It feels like Tekken. And I was just like, what the hell? This has no right to be this good. I mean, even with the little gameplay that you're seeing for the video versions, yeah. like what's your initial take on yeah, this? It, it actually looks surprisingly fluid and like a real fighting game. And I know Game Boy Advanced, you know, it had a little bit more buttons, right? You had the shoulder buttons as well. So it kind of made combinations and things a little bit more interesting than you could have done on the original Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. So it might have been kind of that extra step needed along with obviously the more advanced technology to make like an actually good fighting game on handheld. And look, rating wise, it got an 82. 
And I mean, this one I never played, but yeah. Mortal Not Kombat Deadly Alliance. from like a Game Boy Advance version of a Tekken game. What would I expect? What would I want to see? Well, I said not what you would have expected. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly, exactly. I, I love that. Metacritic, I'm like, damn, this looks good. For the, uh, the Game Boy <laughs> Advance version of Deadly Alliance Mortal Kombat, they just have the console gameplay. I'm yeah. just like, this is, this is not <laughs> the gameplay I was looking for. I, I'm just saying now. But then moving on, I got to bring this up again. Weirdly enough, another fighting game. I legit played this version of the game, and... It had no right to be this good. Got a meta score of 83, which is Street Fighter Alpha 3. And for context, like Street Fighter Alpha 3 is one of my favorite fighting games ever. Like on the PS1, I love Alpha 2, Alpha 3. And I remember I had played the uh, Tekken Advance. And once I saw this in the shelves, I'm like, I mean, what the hell? If they poured a Tekken, they got to make this one look good. And man, it was very Could authentic. Could you battle over the link cable thing? Do you know? I believe it did. I I, I never had enough. I never had a friend with any game. <laughs> on. Like I stopped doing link cable stuff by Game Boy Color, by Game Boy Advance. A lot of my friends that were gamers just kind of dropped off. So I'm like, oh, man. It was so tough to do any game like outside of Pokemon, right? Because it's like nobody had the it's like you had they had to have the same game as you one of you had to have the link cable and you know everyone obviously had pokemon for a lot of these handhelds but other games it was much harder to find someone who had the same game because a lot of times it's like oh you'd just borrow each other's games and stuff like that yep exactly now uh bringing this one up i haven't played it but i feel it would be insulting if we did not bring it up for context like super smash brothers was i believe my first uh viewing of kirby like i really had never oh, really? played a super nintendo uh, kirby game it wasn't up until i played as kirby on super smash i'm like oh okay so now i get what those are i'd always seen the box art but then uh at number 19 this one got a meta score of 81 it's kirby in uh kirby nightmare in dreamland had you played this one I have not. The the one I really played the most was Kirby Superstar. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of uh, Game Boy Advanced titles I missed. But I, I do enjoy, you know, I do enjoy playing Kirby. Again, a series I've, I don't think I've ever beaten a single game. So, <laughs> but um, I, I don't know yeah. why. It's just like, it's always there. I'll play like the first two levels of a Kirby game and then I'll be good. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way a lot of times. Now, this one here, I don't know if you... Did you ever play any Duke Nukem game? Any any of them? Played some Duke Nukem forever, that's for sure. And then I wait, remember... Wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Why is that the first one? Like, seriously? <laughs> because I had to play it after all the hype and everything. <laughs> those are, those are yeah. all the wrong reasons. But, but I remember Ryan. not specifically playing it, but going to a friend's house and him showing me Duke Nukem... And I, I was like probably too young to be seeing the contents of that game. But yeah, that I remember the PC Did versions. Them uh, pixelated boobies? Yeah, pretty much. Well, the Game Boy Advance version did not have the pixelated boobies. Well, we did get a Game Boy Advance version <laughs> of this. And uh, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. It feels like because, it shouldn't have as good of a score as it does at 81 again. Yeah, no. And, and, and this is why I wanted to bring it up. So in 2002, we got 
two really well-known games. We've got Duke Nukem Advance, which is a port of Duke Nukem 3D. It's like there's a lot of alternations, right? But then we also got Doom 2. And the surprising thing is, is it as good as the PC versions? No. But let's not forget that we were not used to the idea of a 3D style, right? It's like 3D yeah. style because it's not actually 3D, but the illusion of 3D in handheld is ridiculous. So I got this. I, I remember playing a little bit of Doom 2. And this is like when I really became curious about game development because it's like, what what did it take to get this in here, right? Like I've played the larger version. How do you get that into like a smaller yeah, thing? Yeah, I'd love to, to that hear really that intrigued story. Me. Yeah. Exactly. It's really, really good stuff. And then, see here, we got a couple more games. Now, in a different light, you know, you had said that you skipped uh, Tony Hawk's for Skater 4 in our previous uh, podcast episode, but I'm just going to say it. Some of my favorite Tony Hawk's for Skater games on the are on the Game Boy Advance. Like, when I got the... Uh, the uh, the first game, I think it was Tony Hawk's First Skater 2. I think that was the one that came out on the yeah, That GBA. was the first one too, yeah. Exactly. I got that with the expectation of like, man, it's all right. I, I'm going to enjoy it. I think I played that more than actual Tony Hawk's First Skater 2. And then I ended up buying like almost all of these. Like I didn't wow. get Thug. It's kind of the opposite. Like for Thug, I did fully, uh, fully switch to console. But... The score here, top 10, came out of October 2002, 85. Are you missing out on the soundtrack, which is a big part of Tony Hawk? Absolutely. True. But the fact that it got an 85, with the exception of a soundtrack, I mean, that says a lot, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think they found a formula that worked for handheld. It wasn't going to be the exact same experience, but they made something that was playable and fun. I was going to show some gameplay for the video version. They just got the PS2 gameplay. I mean, you can imagine that being the Game Boy Advance and be like, damn, dude, they, they went up there. But no, wishful thinking. It, it's tough to find. I can't blame them. It's tough to find Game Boy Advance trailers for especially games that had versions on other systems. That's true. You know what I really would love for us to do eventually is to provide a little bit more handheld coverage like for the Game Boy Advance because, you know, you brought up like Spyro. I mean, I brought up Spyro. You brought up Crash. It's like there's all of these like large IPs that got legit good games on the Game Boy Advance. But it's like I thought about that. I'm like, oh, that, that Spyro game's got to suck because it's on the Game Boy Advance. And then I played it via emulation re recently. It's like, dude, this is like yeah. a legit, this is not a port. This is its own unique, good game that feels better than it should. Yeah, there's. I think there's definitely some hidden gems there that maybe people overlook, especially now when you could just play, okay, like for in the case of Spyro, it's like we have the Reignited Trilogy. Why would you go back to a Game Boy Advance one? Well, maybe there's something to that one. Exactly. Now, this, this may catch me some uh, flack. I actually bought this game, and I returned it the day after because I had bought it used. At number seven, with a meta score of, of uh, 87, Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance. It's worth noting, I had never played a Castlevania game. I was living in Wisconsin for a couple of months here, I go to Funko Land. That was actually the store around that time. And I'm just like, I got I got me a GBA, want to play an action game. And the, the dude tells me, oh, you're going to love, you know, there's like this really big PS1 game. It's got a Game Boy Advance type of thing. 
I buy it. I go back to the hotel. I play it for a couple of minutes, and I, it just did not click for me. You know, we have yeah. played for a review recently, Super Castlevania Four, and I really enjoyed that. And I always kept thinking, like, man, I, maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset with this game. Did you play any of these? No. Um, I know the Game Boy Advance series really started to follow in the footsteps of, like, Symphony of the Night, though, um, which is a game I have played. And I've heard a lot of great things. I've had friends who've played. I, I don't think it was this specific one, but maybe one of the other there's like uh, releases. I think, yeah, GBA, I think there's, yeah. a, there's around maybe three, if I, if I remember correctly. But I know that these are very well-liked games. And again, like I said, they follow that, like the Metroidvania style, right? Where it's not like the original ones where you kind of just play through a level, but it's it's a lot more similar to, to Metroid. Man, this is a powerful list now. Now, I'm just going to list out the uh, top six. This is where you really see a dramatic shift in just like brand awareness because like yep. a lot of these games are still relevant. So number six is a Tactics Ogre, The Knight of Lotus. One of my biggest regrets for not owning this because Final Fantasy Tactics is one of my favorite games of all time. This one got a meta score of 88. Now, we talked about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. Three actually also came out that year, March with a score of 90. Then this is like, I, I hated these damn names so bad. Yeah. Number four, Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Advance 3, with a score of 91. Holy crap, this game's relevant now. <laughs> uh, number three, Metroid Fusion, with a score of 92. Number two, Super Mario World, Super Mario Advance 2. <laughs> I, hate, I hate these names so yep. bad. And then uh, number one, I think you played this game, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Never heard score of it. 95. Yeah. <laughs> World got a 92. Have you ever played any of those uh, Z- Legend of Zelda games? <laughs> Just a few of them. Just a few. So this is where what I What do think... you think about the, the list? Yeah. So this is where I think the identity of the Game Boy Advance kind of rests and a little bit unfair to it because even myself, I think of this a lot of times is... When I think of the Game Boy Advance, I think of, okay, this is a console that basically re-released a lot of Super Nintendo games, and it was great. A lot of Super Nintendo games were now playable handhelds, because not too long ago, that seemed like an impossibility. Yeah. But I think that's kind of the identity that really stuck with the Game Boy Advance, because not only that, I mean, it, it started with its launch Super Mario Advance was um, Super Mario Brothers 2, the US version. And then they kind of continued that series of, okay, the next one is Mario World, then we have Yoshi's Island, things like that. Yeah, we got Link to the Past. And then many, many more. Eventually, they did all the Donkey Kong Country games on Game Boy Advance. So I think its reputation is like, okay, this is the game that just is like a handheld and version they even did, uh, of Super Nintendo. And they even did NES releases because they did yeah. like Metroid, yeah, they, like they the did Zelda. Series. Yeah, there's the classic yeah. series for Zelda. So yeah, this game got, I mean, this system got so many ports, but as we went through, I think a lot of the stuff we covered early on really is where the rest of the identity of the Game Boy Advance lies and that it did have, you know, it could walk and talk on its own, right? It had, it had games that were exclusive to it that are worth playing and made this system more than just like a port machine. And I think part of the branding, and you can see with like Metroid Fusion and Castlevania here, it's like, 
Okay, so in the PS2, GameCube, Xbox generation, a lot of companies just switched to 3D games. So on the GameCube, you got Metroid Prime, right? But then the Game Boy Advance is like, oh, are you still like a 2D gamer? Well, we can still make that happen. So you kind of got the best of both worlds because in the same year, I mean, that was a powerful year for Metroid fans because you get... It's like, if you want 2D, you get that. If you want the other thing, you get that too. The 2000s was a good time for Metroid fans, and I feel bad for (laughs) the later decades. I understand their pain now because it's like, wow, that was a shift. Yep. (laughs) Dramatic shift. (laughs) Absolutely. But but then uh, just quickly reacting, I would like to know, especially with like the Super Nintendo ports, and in your case being a huge, like, I mean, you have a channel that's essentially mainly Zelda-based. Yeah. One of the biggest criticisms for the uh, Game Boy Advance was not its visual quality, but its sound. It was very distorted. Like, so a lot of these ports, like, I feel like this is when gamers could really feel like there's something that doesn't feel quite like the original one. And especially with like Mario and Zelda having such memorable music, same thing happened with Final Fantasy. You know, Breath of the oh, Breath of Fire two. I was gonna say Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Breath, I mean, I mean hey, we were can you imagine Zelda. the GBA version? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could get that. But what did you think of that? Not evolution because it's technically a downgrade, right? But that alternate version of games based on the Super Nintendo ones. Yeah, so A Link to the Past is the one, obviously, I have the most experience with playing the Super Nintendo and the Game Boy Advance. There's honestly not too much of a downgrade. Um, It's a little bit weird because they input um, Link's, like, Ocarina of Time voice in the GBA version when he slashes the sword and stuff. Like, it's like Child Link or something. Um, That or they used... um, another Link's voice or something. I think it was Ocarina of Time, though. It it seems a little weird. It it just doesn't, like, fit um, with, like, the Super Nintendo kind of feel or whatever. But other than that, yeah, the sound is a little bit weird. I know what you mean with kind of, like, the muffled um, GBA music. A lot of highs, not a lot of bass. Yeah, exactly. That it it is... um, yeah, it's a little it's a little rough, but other than that, I think it's a perfectly serviceable um like port of the game and it, it even included the its own game Four Swords which was multiplayer only but in a pretty short experience but was kind of their like dipping their toe in the water of trying to do some multiplayer Zelda which I'm personally not a fan of, but it is a game that stands not necessarily on its own but started kind of a a series um and yeah because i know the sound of the gba this obviously didn't come out in 2002 the year we're talking about but games like donkey kong country 3 they the gba version actually has its own soundtrack because the super nintendo version was like very um bassy and it just would have sounded really really bad on the gba version and there's people who first played the gba version and they stick by the soundtrack in that game. And like David Wise, who does all the, the Donkey Kong music. This is a tangent. I'm sorry, but I have to say it. Hey, hey, um, work on it. So David Wise, I guess he did all the original DK, DKC2 music. And it's fantastic. And he, he wasn't as involved with 3. So he did the music for GBA version. But I'm sorry, it was not his best work. The 
the Super Nintendo soundtrack is way better, and anyone who thinks the GBA soundtrack's better is just wrong. I'm sorry. They're just wrong. <laughs> Straight up. Your opinion is yeah. wrong. And is they actually Ryan added said. a whole new world in the GBA Donkey Kong 3. Oh, really? But I, I haven't that. played it, but it doesn't seem like it's like that crazy good. But anyway, that's for later. We'll like, get into uh, that more in other years. <laughs> no, but but it's, it's worth pointing out because even though those uh, DKC games didn't come out this year, it's still like the whole Super Nintendo in handheld mode. And yeah. I mean, especially when you introduce the Game Boy Advance SP with the backlit screens, like you could see these games in such great quality, which is just like mind blowing, right? Because I think everybody in hindsight remembers like the backlight as oh. a default thing it's like no oh, yeah no i still vividly remember having to go under like a lamp at night to play gba not just game boy you had to do it for gba as well and the uh, ds the the yeah. launch ds oh it didn't did have, not a backlight, have a backlight which is which is weird because yeah. they had the sp you would think yeah it's 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 I'm glad Nintendo. i came in at ds light is all i'm saying yeah, everybody <laughs> loves the uh, ds light and then yeah. When talking about 2002, I really do think that it is an excellent year for the Game Boy Advance, like considering the fact that if you love the Super Nintendo, you want some of that on the go, you got a lot of good stuff. You get a sequel to one of the more favorite games on Super Nintendo with Metroid Fusion. You know, you get spin-off series like Castlevania. You get your Sonic games, you know, like there's other stuff I didn't even cover here. You got a lot of decent baseball games. Uh, their ga- baseball Advance came out here. And uh, that was really good. Lunar Legend, the Game Boy Advance was a beast for role-playing games. You know, we I think it was this before or after we got games like Golden Sun. But when talking about 2002, I would love to get everybody's feedback. What did you think about this? If you were to just uh, give your overall impressions just based on this, uh, this list of games that we talked about, Ryan, like how would you rate or, you know, what's your reaction with this selection? I think it's a very solid lineup. Uh, you know, it, we have a game like Metroid Fusion, which is a part of Nintendo's like premier, you know, IPs, and that's that's like a game for specifically the Game Boy Advance. And then you mix in all the Super Nintendo ports as well to really have it be a great year. And then again, you have some of like the downgraded, not even necessarily downgraded, but the Game Boy Advance version of popular series like Tony Hawk. And then, you know, another series like Castlevania. So it is, you know, that top 20, top 15 games. Um, Like you said, if you're a fan of Super Nintendo and games in that style, this was a really fantastic year um, to play some of those games maybe you missed at the time, while also having some top series like Metroid and Tony Hawk also have some great games to play. And like you said, if you enjoy RPGs, there's a lot here, too. Absolutely. And I think eventually, maybe next year, we will cover some Game Boy Advance games for the sake of full uh, length reviews. And hypothetically, you know, if anybody would like us to eventually talk about one of those games or the GBA in more detail, you know, drop a comment on YouTube, youtube.com slash a cast of the past. Uh, yeah, drop some recommendations. Hidden gem GBA game that most people don't expect or wouldn't expect. It kind of flies under the radar. Let us know. Because maybe we yeah, can do it for a review. There's a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of those. And if you enjoyed this, like I really enjoyed the back to back conversation. It's like our first time doing this, which is, you know, we did essentially a whole year 
of most consoles that were relevant around that time, starting with PS2, you know, Xbox, GameCube, Game Boy Advance. So if you like all this stuff, the best way you can support on podcast apps is by dropping that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, we post clips at twitter.com slash cast of the past and on my Instagram, which is instagram.com slash Juan. I post some Instagram stories, so that's another way that you can get everything out there. And yeah, on YouTube, subscribe as well and drop that bell. And the last thing is, it is part of what? What are we part of, Ryan? It's all part of what? It's all part. It's all about the conversations, Juan. Yeah. <laughs> and where is that conversation taking that place, Ryan? That is over at com slash discord, where you can... Join that conversation that we love to, to talk about, but there's plenty of topics, uh, video games, food. Um, you know, we all have our own personal channels where we, you know, I cover a lot of Zelda content. Juan covers a lot of Wii U, PS3 generation stuff. Um, all of our we, updates are there as long as well as uh, Mr. Brickhouse Hamilton and his Lego builds. Brickhouse Hamilton. And uh, yeah, plenty of other conversations over there we got someone in the discord who just opened a video game shop that's super that exciting awesome um and it we're you know he's kind of walking us through that experience and that's been a ton of fun to uh support him in his journey yeah i just want to give a shout out to it is on instagram it is the dot experience dot share i believe it is i am making sure exactly it is the dot experience dot share Shout out to Sir Meatwad, uh, Glorious Marvelous Games, all those awesome names, but he opened up a pretty awesome retro game store in California. So if you want to visit an awesome retro game store, you can do so over there. Yeah, and uh, he loves Sega Saturn and all that stuff. And anybody that's out there that loves to do retro collecting or anything like that, you know, just give us a shout out or just join the Discord. You know, he's somebody that he just started as a listener, you know, checking out some of my videos, some of the podcasts, and he's become a friend. And hopefully we can get him in the podcast one day and just share those experiences because it's, it's got to opening up your own retro yeah. game store. I mean, just what? It's just insane. Yeah. And so, from what I've seen the pictures, I wish I could visit it, but it looks awesome. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, a really cool story. And it's, you know, it's really fun to to talk about it, talk about that with him. So yeah, plenty of those fun conversations going on at the Discord. So really encourage more people to join because um, it's, a, it's a growing family. Absolutely. So up until next time, that was a lovely, lovely closing to another episode of A Cast to the Past. And I'll eventually get a Saturn because I know you're listening someday, <laughs> but not now. Too damn expensive. Have you seen those prices? Yeah. Hell no.